Our scripture today is the Gospel of Luke. This is the year of Luke in our lectionary, so we will be spending lots of time in Luke as we have been through our Advent season as we will continue. And we are in our fifth time of our Advent series, and today's word is search. So with that on your heart and mind, let us hear the Holy Scripture, Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. It is written, each year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to their custom. After the festival was over, they were returning home. But the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. Supposing that he was among their band of travelers, they journeyed on for a full day while looking for him among their family and friends. When they didn't find Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. He was sitting among teachers, listening to them, and sitting among and putting questions to them. Excuse me. Everyone who heard him was amazed by his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were shocked. His mother said, Child, why have you done this? Why have you treated us like this? Listen, your father and I have been worried. We've been looking for you. Jesus replied, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he had said to them. Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. His mother cherished every word in her heart. Jesus matured in wisdom and years and in favor with God and with people. The word of God for the people of God. And let's say together, thanks be to God. Please pray with me, and please pray for me. Almighty God, I thank you that you give us your word, that we have the story, that we have the scriptures that contains much more than ink on page, that when we engage with it, your spirit engages with us, so as much as we read it, we are read by it. And I ask that you speak through me in this time in spite of me, and that we hear you in spite of ourselves. Bless us, Lord, and may all that we say, may all that we meditate be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, Lord. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. An interesting element to being your pastor is I continue to grow, and I'm kind of transparent in the growth. As the words were put in a seminary assignment we had, I live out my growth on display for all to see in all of its flaws and all of its victories, and all of its struggles. And I think it's a great privilege. I, you'll notice that as time goes on, I'll probably head different directions with my thought and where I'm being led and what I feel God is saying. And I, I'm open and honest. I do not have all the answers. And if that comes as a shock to you, let me say it again. I do not have all the answers. And some of you are going, yeah. But I, I find it to be a privilege and honor to live transparently before you and to learn from you and to grow together. And I hope that you find that to be a blessing as well because I am still hungry and searching. And I have these moments in my life I call the slump, okay? And if you've ever had the slump, you can tell me later. I would love to have company. Not that misery loves, well, it does, but 
I don't want you to be miserable. The slump is when I just suddenly lose motivation. I just suddenly wonder, why am I here? Why did you call me? Me? I, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to do. Did I, have I done something wrong? Where are you, Jesus? I'm not finding you. And yet, I'm supposed to talk on Sunday and teach and lead, and I just don't know what to do. Am I even fit to minister? And then after a few weeks, because it always happens that way, I emerge from the slump, and usually I emerge with something more than I had when I entered it. Usually it's some new kind of awakening or perspective, and I've come to realize that in the slump, I really start to search. And in the searching, God usually has something to reveal. I used to worry when I got into the slump. It used to really get me down when it started 10, 15 years ago. And I wondered if it was going to end. But now, when I enter into the slump, I I praise God. And I, I thank God. Because I know I'm going to emerge with something new. And that's exciting. It's not exciting in the moment, but I know what's coming. And I've just emerged from a slump in the last few weeks. And I knew it was going to end. And it did. And I came through with with something more. And that's the way that it works. I'm not here to share the something more yet, because frankly, I'm still chewing on it. But the something more always comes. We've been preparing the way in our time of Advent, anticipating the arrival. And he's arrived. He's arrived. We've told the story of his birth. We've considered the many presentations in the Gospels of what the birth means. And we have sung songs and caroled and eaten and gathered and we have had joy. We have unwrapped gifts. But we know that our journey of faith has just received a new birth. It's beginning once again, as it does, over and over again. We stand with confidence upon the truth of our faith in Jesus. We refine ourselves through the fiery and wonderful purification which comes through the Holy Spirit that Jesus brings to us and baptizes us with. We do what Jesus asked us to do. We live our faith of love and grace and mercy and joy so that others may see in our action and word the truth of it. And we welcome the presence and work of Christ within ourselves and within the church by making room for even the unexpected. We are now called to search. Our passage today is the only written account of the youthful Jesus. Everywhere else, it's just straight from birth to baptism, with a lot of years in between. A lot of question and energy has been given to what happened. But we have this one story, this story, and it's not even unique, okay? There are stories of heroes from ancient times who all at 12 years old went before thrones and powers to be and, and impressed them with their power, ability, and knowledge. It's not a It's not a unique story, except that in Jesus' story, it's very refrained or restrained. It's very humble. Twelve years old meant Jesus was still a boy. Yet the wisdom of Jesus in this story is is uplifted, but in a subtle way. It's not proclaimed in some grand spectacle of proclamation. It was up to Jesus to stay with his family. Okay, let's be clear about that. Jesus' job as a boy, is to stay with his family. And when his family left, they assumed Jesus was obedient and with them. And they got a whole day away only to discover, nope, preteen Jesus 
didn't do what Jesus was supposed to do. And we identify with this. We say, is it maybe Mary and Joseph's fault for assuming in the first place? And they would say, no, it's his job. Now, they, they were obedient. It says right there that they regularly attended the feasts. It was their custom. And that's what they did because they were obedient to God and God's ways. They were smart and efficient by traveling with family and friends, as most people did. They didn't have GPS. They couldn't track down Jesus. They had to rely on the watchful eyes of others. But Jesus' obedience is questioned here. It didn't go with them. That might be troubling to some of you. And that's the point. Anyone can imagine the sheer terror of having left a child in a bustling city while everyone who knows him has ventured on a full day's journey away. And they return after three days. Three days he's been in Jerusalem by himself. And they finally find him in the temple, which makes me say, where did they look exactly? Three days. They looked everywhere but the temple, which maybe for a preteen that wasn't an uncommon way to think of it. Would you go to church at 12? Don't you have to answer that question. So he gets interrogated. Mary says, not why did I do this to you? I'm so sorry, my dear child, but why did you do this to us? To which Jesus replies, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Uh, no, Mary says. We don't have that written. Not what they expected to hear in reply, and they don't even understand his response, and maybe we don't either. It goes on to say that Jesus went with them down to Nazareth and was obedient to them as he continued to mature in wisdom, age, and favor with God and people. It's a most peculiar story, yes? We could focus on so much in these 13 verses or however many there are. Jesus at 12 finding it perfectly appropriate to sit among the teachers engaging with them. That's weird. Two, that this engagement was not about what Jesus had to teach them, but what they had to teach Jesus when he asked his questions and then responded with understanding on the teachings that they gave him. He was listening and asking questions. Three, we could focus on that Jesus matured in wisdom. God in the flesh grew in wisdom. Did this growth continue after his baptism? Well, we're not going to focus on that. Another one we could focus on is Mary says, your father and I have been worried while Jesus replies, I'm in my father's house. This is a question of parenthood. Who is his father? A debate? No, we're not going to focus on any of that, although it would be fun, wouldn't it? Instead... We're going to focus on Luke's framework of the story itself. The gospel writer does not write haphazardly. Each letter is written with purpose. The temple in the gospel of Luke is key. The gospel begins in the temple with Zechariah receiving a vision from the angel of God. We've already been back to the temple after Jesus' birth when Simeon and Anna came and made proclamations about who Jesus was. Now we're back in the temple with Jesus at 12 years old where he's listening and asking questions. And at the very end of the gospel, we will find the disciples go back to the temple to praise and worship God. And that is the concluding image for our gospel. The temple is key for Luke. And in between all these sightings, Jesus is always giving stern warning to the temple. 
You are the temple of God. You have a promise to fulfill religious leaders, church. Fill them. If you make the temple useless, it will be destroyed. And it was. But within the framework of this temple is this interesting story. This 12-year-old Jesus, right before his ministry begins, we have this story. And then right after his ministry ends on the road to Emmaus, we have another story, and they bookend Jesus' ministry. Now, he says, don't you know that I must be in my father's house? And later he tells the companions walking in Emmaus, don't you know that it must happen this way? Same word. D-E-I is how we'd spell it. Die. Something about this story of searching to find Jesus for three days and encountering him and hearing something they did not expect. This is not accidental. Both stories end with a mysterious discovery of Jesus which brings both joy and confusion. I don't know all the wisdom waiting to be unlocked through the framework that's in the Gospel of Luke, and every Gospel writer has their own framework, and if you sit with it for years and years, we will grow and mature in wisdom because there's so much there. And friends, rest assured, if Jesus matured in wisdom, so will we. Amen? Sometimes, though, we miss the element of our faith. We emphasize conversion so heavily that we inadvertently, accidentally, downplay the life lived beyond the conversion. We hang so much on the first step into faith that we find ourselves not advancing much further beyond that point and not encouraging others to do as well. It's as if the first step is all that's necessary. We focus on Jesus' birth and death and we skip the life of teaching that's given to us for our enrichment and salvation. We even look at the Apostles' Creed. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and buried. Nothing of his life and teaching. And there's a reason for that. But inadvertently, we downplay what the life and teaching has to say. Or maybe that's just my not-so-humble opinion. In both of these stories, there was expectation about what they anticipated in the story and how it was going to unfold. The disciples on the road to Emmaus are thinking Jesus should not have died on the cross. Mary and Joseph are thinking Jesus should have left the temple and stayed with his family. Don't we do the same thing? Don't we have expectation? We operate with an expectation of what Jesus will do. And Jesus often does something a little different. If we're, we live a good life, good things will happen. Or maybe if we follow all the rules, we're going to make plenty of money and always have plenty to eat. Or maybe it's if we go to church every week, every month, regularly, then we'll go to heaven. Or maybe it's if I read my Bible, I'll find plenty of support for how I see the world. We do this. I do it. You do it. Sometimes we go on walking our way, just assuming Jesus is right there with us. And then suddenly we realize he's nowhere to be found. Maybe it's a slump. Maybe we have forgotten our need for Jesus to depend upon him to the point where we depend upon ourselves to where we've just walked right off the road without him. Maybe the direction he was leading was not what we expected. So we either stopped 
or we walked the other way. Maybe we had to walk away from the old, comfortable, to be ready for the new, and we just didn't know how. Before the birthing of new life, there is always death. That's our story. In these times, we are to search, and it is promised, search and you will find. No matter how we would describe it or experience it, the fact remains that when we search, we will find Jesus. Even if you're not experiencing the slump or if life is going well and you have a regular routine of faith, we are still called to search. And remember, when we inevitably find Jesus, he's almost never where we expect him to be, and he almost always does not say what we expect him to say. Sometimes you can only guess at what he has to say. Simply put it into your heart and ponder it, as Mary did. Maybe one day I'll understand it. Our life of faith is about continually searching. We are to continue growing, maturing, which leads to growing favor as well. Now, all of God's children who offer love to the Father are favored, but the growth is another way of saying we please God. We're obedient to God. And when our obedience, we bring joy to God, just as we experience the joy from God. The good news for our faith in Jesus Christ, God in flesh, who came to be with us, Emmanuel, is this. Jesus searches for us. That's good news. Jesus leads us forward in our faith and understanding if we but search too. If we but lay down our lives. If we but submit our own will to his. If we but embrace the death of the old to prepare for the life of the new. If we but, one of my favorite songs, trust and obey. We will find the joy of eternal life with God here and now and forevermore. So let us, as we continue our Christmas celebration, let us search for Jesus every day, knowing we will find him. And let us celebrate the new life that Christ has, has for us and in us that we haven't even discovered yet. Let us dance with joy in the days of search and eagerly anticipate the continued growth of wisdom and maturity and faith that is guaranteed ahead. And may you do so with only the expectation of the joy of life in Christ. My friends, go and search and then tell your story. Let us pray. Almighty God, I thank you that you are so good to us. Your love, your commitment, your faith in us never wavers. It never has. In the times of the most severe disobedience, you have remained faithful. That no matter how far we've wandered from you, you go to great lengths, to the furthest lengths, through Jesus Christ's body and blood to bring us back to you because we are valuable to you. You want us. And Lord, we want you. Help us to let go of whatever expectation we've been holding on to. Whatever name we call it, tradition, that's just how we always do it. That's what I'm comfortable with. Whatever way we label it, Lord, 
Even if you have to send us into a slump, we ask that you do it because we trust you that you will lead us into life. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the days ahead of continued growth. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.